coming over the top there, I had goosebumps on my arm and up my neck and everything else from where I've seen him. I mean, it's, uh, I haven't been back to the spot since I've seen him. And uh, I went other places, not as far up, in different directions. But the direction he went and the direction he came from, I haven't been either way that way. Well, I was, I came up to get a load of firewood and right over here I fell some trees and I blocked them all up and put the chainsaw down and started loading the truck. Uh, just about time I was done with the truck getting loaded, uh, I smelled something. And I was thinking maybe it's a dead animal, dead cow, something up in here, because you always find them up in here. And then it dawned on me that, why didn't I smell it earlier? Well, then I started looking around, and there he starts up the hill over there. And like I say, he walked like an old man, a tired old man. He took his right hand, reached out, put it on the tree, and uh, all I could think of, well, uh, I need to go. I mean, I just, he kind of scared me, but he didn't make nothing threatening. He just uh, mind his own business, and just going on with what he wanted to do. I left my grease gun, and uh, when I seen him, I uh, decided the grease gun wasn't that important. I thought I was gonna leave it, and we walked up today, and. It's laying on the mountainside, covered with grass and debris. In my mind, I can picture what an old man like is walking up a hill, and that's what he did. It's the same way. He just like he was tired. And he was in no big hurry. He didn't seem like he was spooked by me. And I'm, I know he knew I was there, but he didn't pay me no attention. Hello and welcome to The Phenomenon Report. I'm Kelly Kleinman. Tonight I've stitched an interesting show for you. But first, on our last episode, we featured a gentleman that we named Eddie to protect his identity. Eddie has had five years of Sasquatch on property encounters. He was introduced to us by Becky Cook, the noted author of a trilogy of Bigfoot in Idaho books called Bigfoot Lives, Bigfoot Lives Forever in Idaho, and Bigfoot Still Lives. I thought it would be fun to have Becky back on and discuss some of the more interesting encounters that she's written about. Tonight's show will count down the top 10 Bigfoot encounters in Idaho over the last 100 years. Becky, welcome back. Thank you. You know, we're sticking with this Bigfoot theme. Uh, we do cover several other topics on this particular show, but Sasquatch seems to be fascinating for most of the people out there in, in uh, podcast land. So we're going to stay with that here for the next couple of days. Now, some folks may not be aware that purportedly the largest Sasquatch sightings based on eyewitness testimony in Idaho include 10 to 12 foot individuals. Now, granted, there, there have been many likely undocumented encounters and certainly Native Americans have had experiences with Sasquatch for centuries. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have access to those experiences, but we do have Becky Cook's Top 10 Sasquatch Sightings. So let's start off the show with number 10. We call it cold off the press. On Wednesday, January 29th, 1902, the residents of the little town of Chesterfield, Idaho, located in an isolated portion of Bannock County, were greatly excited over the appearance in that vicinity of an eight-foot hair-covered human monster. He was first seen on January 14th when he appeared among a group of young people who were skating on the river. 
The creature showed fight and flourished a large club and uttered a series of yells, starting to attack the skaters who managed to reach their wagons and get away in safety. Measurements of the tracks show the creature's feet to be 22 inches long and 7 inches broad with the imprint of only four toes. Stockman hmm. reported having seen the tracks along the range west of the river. The people of the neighborhood have sent 20 men on its track to effect its capture. But of course, they never captured it. <laughs> of course, they never captured it. 22-inch footprint, 7 inches wide. They say it's about 8 feet tall. I'm not sure how they probably got those measurements or those dimensions. But it was carrying a club, which is really interesting. I've never heard of that before. It was kind of ticked off. That was... <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, number nine. You know that it's a while back when they say they had to hop in their wagons. <laughs> yeah, but even if you hop in your wagon and you get you get the horses moving, a Sasquatch could easily outrun a horse pulling a wagon. Yeah, yeah. I just thought it was kind of cool because that's the oldest record that I could find. That's fascinating, and that's number – I love it. That's number nine. That's number 10. Number nine. So years ago, um, my I was writing for an agricultural paper. I still write for agricultural papers. But my editor had me write for, um, he sent me out on a story to find some um, accidents with horses. You know, just kind of, <laughs> he wanted some interesting things. So I started asking a lot of people who went hunting on horseback and here this guy shows up with this story about running into a Bigfoot. And I thought, man, this is so stinking cool. So I wrote it all down and then um, we don't print it, but um, eventually it does go into print at Halloween time. But I can read you that report now. Fire away. This was brought to me by a guy named Hank Olson who loves to go elk hunting. It's one of his favorite things, favorite times of the year when he can go out in the woods and enjoy nature. So he was headed out to the Selway Bitterroot Wilderness, which is out by Salmon. It's a really beautiful, beautiful area. So he and his buddy were sleeping out next to the middle fork of the Salmon River when he woke up about 2 a.m. He said, I usually don't wake up because the river lulls me to sleep like a baby in his bassinet. So I asked myself why I woke up, and then I heard it. Olson describes the noise he heard as a high tenor voice. The animal, that's what he thought it was, could hold the same note for 40 to 45 seconds at a time. It really had a powerful set of lungs, said Olson. It wouldn't go up or down the scale, but just hold the same note. I've never heard anything like it before or after. He listened as it started coming down the bluff, crashing through the, the brush and the trees and making all sorts of noise. Eventually, Olson thought he ought to wake up his hunting partner in case they needed to get out of there fast. Once awake, his partner wanted to go out and look and see what it was, and Olson told him, not me. So they both decided to stay in the tent. They, they took a few seconds to turn on the light to double check their weapons, just in case whatever it was decided they were lunch. Then they just lay there in the dark and listened. Before too long, the Bigfoot arrived at its destination, the promontory rock across the river. We were pretty glad it was on that side of the river and not our side, says Olson. The Bigfoot kept calling over and over, repeating the same tenor note held about 45 seconds. 
Eventually, Olsen's partner decided to go back to sleep. It's just Sasquatch, he says. Olsen continued to listen for nearly 45 minutes while the animal went downstream and then upstream from them, still calling every few minutes or so. It was almost like he was calling for someone or looking for something, said Olsen. The next morning when it was light outside, they set out to discover what had really been on the other side of the river. They were both determined they would not sleep in that location again until they found out what was making the noise. We spent the next day just looking for something that could tell us what, there, what that was. <clears throat> we found one footprint just where it would have had to step up onto the promontory rock, and it was maybe a size 18. Olson said that it didn't matter to him what other people believe on the subject. He knows what he heard, and he believes it was a Bigfoot. He still goes up to the Selway Bitter, Bitterroot Wilderness area to hunt elk, but the experience has left him more than a little cautious. It's been 15 years or so since then, and I haven't heard anything like that since, he says. But I always wake up at 2 a.m. now. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It sounds like a Carlos Santana guitar solo. He hits that same note and has sustained 40, 50 seconds. Has a cup of coffee and gets back into the guitar solo. Um, mm -hmm. Sounds like it was probably trying to scare him away. But, you know, obviously that was traumatic for him because, you know, I experienced the uh, – the earthquake here, it was, they call it the Northridge earthquake, but it was actually the Reseda earthquake because I lived in that area. And I will tell you right now that for the, for 10 years after that, I would wake up at 4:30 in the morning almost all the time. So I can mm -hmm. tell you that, yeah, it becomes imprinted on you. It's pretty spooky. <laughs> Let's go to number eight. Okay. So I found this, I've, I'd heard about this really amazing guy who was a world-renowned hunter. He hunts all over the world. He leads hunts all over the world, and he holds the record for the most black bear kills in the state of Pennsylvania. So he's really gotten around, and he's seen a lot of stuff, and he's heard a lot of stuff, and he didn't believe in the Bigfoot. He didn't believe it. He figured somebody was, you know, it was a farce or something. And So he said he was out one day and um, coming down the mountain from hunting, and he was alone, and uh, all of a sudden, all the animals started running down the hill, and he, he figured, oh my gosh, <laughs> if they're running, I better get out of the way. So he ran up, and he got in a, a tree, and then he said he heard this voice just yell, and he said it just really shook him through the core of his body, and uh, he said it was super, super quiet after that. After a while, he got down and he, he walked down to his house and he said it just really shook him. So then um, I went up and I interviewed him about this and just got some background from him about where he's been and what he's done with his life. And pretty impressive guy. He's, he's really done a lot with his life. And then he called me back the very next day, and, or not the very next day, next week. And uh, he said... I saw a Bigfoot, and I said, what? And he said, yeah, we were laying up bear bait on the top of this mountain and coming down the hill, and I saw this thing jump across the river, or jump across the road. And so they stopped and looked, and they found these two perfect Bigfoot footprints, one on each side of the road, and he pulls out his measuring tape and measured it. It was 78 inches from the heel of the one foot to the toe of the next foot. And then they followed the tracks down the mountain and found some other um, 
some other tracks further down into the snow. But uh, it was pretty amazing because he really went from not believing in the least to all of a sudden, holy cow, they're out there. How did I miss that? <laughs> when you think about it, a gentleman who's got that kind of experience hunting bear, because a lot of people will say, well, you're mistaking the Bigfoot for a bear because they, they do walk on their hind legs. Yeah. I think they try to imitate us. So we look at them, hey, you must be another human. They try to pull one over on us. I've seen it. It's yeah. amazing to watch. It's almost like they're trying to be human. And never mind me, I'm just another big guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but to have a hunter uh, of that repute yeah. and uh, be able to come forward and say, I saw something that I've never seen before. It was, a, it was clearly a Bigfoot. That, that says a lot right there. You know, one of, the things, one of the things that is amazing about him is I will take him pictures now where people will find pictures and they'll say, oh, I think this is Bigfoot footprint. And he can tell me right off, okay, yeah, that is a print or that's a bear, foot, bear print. Or um, what amazes me is that beaver have leaf prints that are very similar to people footprints. Hmm. And like you said, uh, grizzlies will lay, the, the way they lay their feet down, they can be taken for having a, a Bigfoot footprint also. But he knows what he's looking at. So I've taken him pictures before and said, what do you think? He can tell me right off what they are. So he's a believer. He's seen it. He knows. How tall did he say it was? He didn't really say. He just said it looked, it looked big enough that he thought it was a bear the first time it went past. Mm. But with that stride in that range, that would have been a pretty big. Right, right. Because they take their gates really small because the way they're obviously built, they're not built for bipedal locomotion necessarily. <laughs> All right, that brings us to uh, number seven. Our sneaky snowboarder. <laughs> okay, so this is one of those interviews where um, the guy didn't want to put his name down, so it's not in any of my books. Because literally he could have gotten charged for trespassing and most other things. So he was headed up to go snowboarding in the middle of the night and uh, wasn't going to pay <laughs> for the privilege. So he said he parked pretty close and he got his snowboard and he was hiking out across the snow. And it was a um, moonlit night. He could see everything really clear. And he's cutting across this, this uh, snowbank. Um, prior to laying the snowboard down and he said he found this footprint and he stopped and looked at it and it was really big and really deep so he glances up and looked out ahead of him and there in front of him maybe 40 or 50 feet ahead was this Bigfoot just standing clear as could be laid out in front of the snow so you could see it just as clear as could be I guess it really freaked him out, so he just got on his snowboard and went down from there. And I think it, it's safe to say that he didn't sneak in to go snowboarding anymore either. <laughs> Where, which uh, which um, ski resort was it? Pomerel Ski Resort down by Burley area. What's it called? Pomerel. Pomerel? Pomerel, yep. They usually get the first snow and, the and have it for the longest so people like to go up there and snowboard and ski. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Those, those, those are not uh, members of the Polar Bear Society. Like to <laughs> I've water. actually had some pretty good sightings up that way. So 
Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Time for number six. Aha, the tent. Okay, so there was actually two tent stories. Um, <laughs> and I still think they're funny. Like, um, the one, I heard it quite a while ago, and these guys were out hunting, and um, had, had they set up a, a square tent, one of those types that you can put a, a small stove in, you know, a snow, stove pipe and stuff. And they set it all up and went to bed for the night. And he said in the middle of the night, he heard something walking around outside the tents. So um, he sat up and thought, you know, there might still be some cattle up there, but normally the cattlemen move the, move the cattle when it's hunting season. So you don't, they don't get shot, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, the small, slow moving elk, <laughs> you know. So, um, so he said he was just laying there, listening to this thing go past. When it reaches down and it grabs hold of the tent and just lifted it up, and peeked under, and then put it down. And I said, so kind of like checking to see if the dinner's done, huh? Exactly. <laughs> and he said, yeah, I kind of freaked him out. He was afraid to go to sleep after that. But they couldn't find any footprints because it was really late in the fall and really dry. But um, he did say that they moved their tent after that. <laughs> it, it literally lifted the tent up and looked under the tent? Yeah, yeah. How did he, how did he know that it looked under the tent? Because he could see a face kind of thing peering at him. Oh jeez, that that would that would <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so um, I was telling you there was actually a second tent one that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, and but that's gonna cut into our number five, right? <laughs> where where did wow. this first where did this first um, episode occur? Okay, so it was up by the the Blackfoot Reservoir, which is up in the very corner of the. Let's see, it's the south east corner of Idaho, right next to the Wyoming border. So that would be the Blackfoot River? Yeah. Okay. And the Blackfoot Reservoir. Yeah. Okay. Folks, yep. right now we're going through the top 10 Sasquatch sightings as collected by one Becky Cook. We are now at number five. And, of course, uh, it's up to Becky to bring home the bacon. Becky, number five. <laughs> so... This one is actually, um, my dad had had a lot of experiences with these Bigfoot, um, but my dad has always been in high, he's a high security clearance man. And so he got to the point where he never really talked about anything he saw in his job because that was kind of against the protocol, you know? So he was out working at this job out in the middle of nowhere and um, took a break for the, took a break, was standing up there kind of talking to some of the other guys who worked there. And he said he noticed that these, there were men with packs running up and down the mountain. And I said, so what did they look like? And he said, they looked like they had these, they were big muscular guys and they had these brown packs and they were running up and down the mountain. So he, he asked one of the Native Americans standing there and the guy said, he just kind of looked at him and he's like, 
hmm, I don't see that, you know? And the funny thing is, years later, I had the opportunity to um, interview the guy he was working with. And he said, you know, I didn't want to say anything because the Bigfoot are up there, you know, and you see the Bigfoot all the time. But they're protected also. That mountain is protected. But he figured, you know, he's got high security clearance. He's not going to tell anybody. <laughs> is it on an Indian reservation? It is. It is. And white people aren't allowed up there. Yeah. That's a good thing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they might get carried off. So it looked like they were carrying packs. Is it just because they had massive shoulders and huge barrel chests? Or where, where the, what were the packs? Were they? That's right? what I think. If you saw them from a distance, that's what you would think. You yeah. Know? So. Well, will you take a look at some of these videos? I mean, some of them look, you know, they, they look dubious at best. The ones with, the, for example, there's one video out there with the uh, the mother Sasquatch and its baby. Um, I, I don't know if it's a legitimate video. It's probably one of the. It's probably the most lucid one that I've seen. It's clearly clearly clear. Uh, you can make out details and such, and it looks like it has like a double forehead and almost like a complete cone head, but like a bad prop, and then it looks like just a, a monkey suit that didn't quite fit. But I not, you know, having seen a Sasquatch, I don't really know what their exact body dimensions are. Uh, but they, it does look bar like a barrel, like, like from a distance, it would look like somebody with a, with a yeah. pack. And there's also the possibility that they were, they might have, they might have been coming back with kill. Cause I've also seen video of Sasquatch supposedly traipsing through the woods with kill draped over their shoulders. <laughs> I guess anything's possible. I got to tell you a story about that. Just break in there. Go ahead. I was just talking with this guy just this last week. And he said a friend of his went hunting just two years ago. And he shot his elk. The elk drops in this ravine ahead of him. And he said they were making their way down the ravine to grab the, the elk. When this Bigfoot just runs through and yells at them. And throws the throws the elk over his shoulder and off it goes. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of cool. I said, so can I talk to this guy? And he said, unfortunately, he passed away last winter. But mm. that crap, I would have loved to talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah. So they shot it. It rated their kill. It was probably stalking the same deer or elk, right? What part of uh, Idaho was this in? So... From what he was describing, it's out on the desert, and I don't know exactly where. He didn't. He he wasn't really clear on that. But I, I think he was out on the desert in the central Idaho area. Yeah, well, that would be um, not unusual for prey to get hijacked. It's happened. I've heard stories of it many times. So now we're up to number four. Number four, <laughs> folks. This is Becky Cook's top ten. Idaho Sasquatch sighting encounters. This one has to do with a hot dog and a little boy. Fire away. <laughs> this is one of the coolest stories, and I'll read it to you just because it was just pretty it was just pretty dang cool. So give me just two seconds to find the story again. <clears throat> we call this one the Bigfoot Foot Long. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard they like everything from whatever they can dig out of your 
supplies when you're camping. Obviously, all sorts of prey, potatoes, herbs, you name it, uh, fruit, um, but, but, but also breakfast cereal. Yeah. Now, I'll tell you all an interesting story. So I did a pilot back in the day. For those of you who are uh, fans of Kirk Cameron and Candace Cameron, uh, Robert and Barbara, their parents are, are, are friends of mine. And we did, a, uh, we did a pilot together called Hot Off the Press. And one of the stories that we did was that there had been a Sasquatch sighting in California. And one of the objects that we used, or I should say the foodstuffs that we used to lure it in was, uh, was Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries because we heard that Sasquatch were fond of Crunch Berries. Now, an amazing story, and I actually heard this on another podcast, was that there are teams that have been put together to hunt Sasquatch, uh, possibly attract them and they attract them with breakfast cereal that they put up in trees. Imagine that, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, fantasy and fiction, you know, sometimes there's a very fine line. I wonder if it was Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. But anyway, getting back to the, uh, the cool stuff here, um, that's just my little anecdote on the side. This Bigfoot footlong story, this kid and a hot dog and a Bigfoot fire away. <laughs> so this one happened August 2005, and one of the cool things about this story is that this particular family have had numerous Bigfoot sightings, and multiple people in their family have had Bigfoot sightings. So they are out of their annual camping trip up Sawmill Canyon, which is 40 minutes past How, How which is literally smack in the middle of nowhere <laughs> of Idaho. So it was later in the evening and the family was cooking their supper over a fire and the kids are all running around and playing and everything seemed fine until the, the hot dogs started disappearing faster than they should have. So the lady who's telling me this story, she was saying, my son was five, my nephew was two and they were playing and we were cooking. I noticed that all of the hot dogs disappeared. So I asked my son if he knew what happened to all of them. He said, we gave them to our friend. She said, okay, where's your friend? And he says, in the back of the truck. She said about right then, it really shook her because she said there'd been some bears sighted not too long before their trip. And uh, several of the adults went to check the back of the pickup. And the little boy pointed, but all they found was an area where the dust had been wiped clean in the back. She said, we looked around with flashlights, but we didn't see anything. But that area has a lot of trees, and it felt a little weird out there, like someone was watching us. Later that night, we knew something climbed into that truck because the hitch would screech. We checked it each time, but we didn't see anything. <clears throat> she said they went back near the fire, and they questioned her son some more and asked him what he'd been doing with the hot dogs and whether he was scared. He said it had hands. He didn't put the hot dog in its mouth. He gave it to it in its hand. She said, he said that they were pretending that they were running a restaurant, feeding their customers, and it didn't scare them at all. They were just having fun with a friend. So later that night, everyone went to bed. There was a disturbance, and they knew that the Bigfoot hadn't really left the area. And she said that something was knocking on their tent, hitting it, and you could hear shuffling sounds outside. 
we didn't ever see anything after that, but I was jittery and scared the whole trip. My son was the least bit scared though. So years, I mean, years later when I found this story, I asked if I could talk to this young man and he, I said, so is what your mom said right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it had hands. It had hands. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> Sounds like the original messing with Sasquatch. <laughs> was he feeding yeah. him Jack Lynx? Do you know the brand of hot dog? Was it Farmer John? I don't. <laughs> I don't. That would be a great endorsement. Where was this? What um, You said this was in the central Idaho? Yeah, so how do I describe this, man? It's a really beautiful area, but there is nothing much there. So Howe is the closest town. It's spelled H-O-W-E. It's the closest town, but it's not a big place. It's mm. like 16 houses. <laughs> and then, you know, a community of, of farmers and whatnot. Well, it's interesting. So go out it's, there, and then from there you go another 40 miles out into the wilderness to a place mm. called Palmo Canyon. It's great Bigfoot habitat. What's interesting is that they were interacting with the Bigfoot like that, literally feeding him <laughs> hot dogs. Were they cooked? They were cooked hot dogs as well? I don't know. You yeah. know, you can see a little kid doing that because little kids don't normally have fear anything you know which is kind of why it makes it why it's scary to take them hunting or fishing you know because they yeah. might wander off and jump in or something it's so. to me it's such an interesting story because i have heard a number of different accounts of children befriending young sasquatch Did, yeah. was it a, was it feeding a full-grown one or was it just another little one any idea he, he described it as just being a smaller one um, so, but, but I mean, when I asked him again, when he was, how old was he? I think he was 11 when I interviewed his mom. Right. He just said it was just, you know, it was just there. He didn't yeah, know how big it was. Did it look like a person? Did he give a description of the face? No, nope. He said just that it had hands and it liked the hot dogs. Huh? <laughs> That's nice. It's good to know. So I don't know where we are on the count, uh, but I'm assuming they were at number two. And um, that was in Howe. Now, we have this thing called Mountain Men. We already went through the Mountain Men, right? Yep, yep. Okay. Um, there was a pipe mover one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'll so be number three, the pipe mover. I'm sorry, say that again? The pipe mover. So the cool thing about this one is the guy who told me this story is real tall by himself. He's like 6'4". He's not quite as tall as me, but, you know, he can't all be perfect. Anyway, um, <laughs> he was out moving pipe and uh, finished up for the day, was coming home on a, on a four-wheeler, and he said he went past what looked like a Bigfoot tucked in the side of the sagebrush. And he said it actually took a couple of clicks to think, was that what I thought I saw? <laughs> hmm. So he said he got down and he turned around and he came back. And by then it was all, it was headed off across the grain. And he said, so the thing is, this was grain that was getting ready to harvest. And um, he said at six, four, when he was standing in the grain, his hands were below the top of the grain, but the Bigfoot was walking away from him and his hands were about a foot taller than the grain. 
That was the only method he could tell how tall he was. He was so pretty this tall. thing was at least a foot taller than the, the gentleman. Yeah, yeah. Now, what part of Idaho was this? That's a place called Rising River, which Rising is... Rising River? Again, out in the middle of nowhere, really. <laughs> it, makes, it makes all good sense. <laughs> so is it just farmland? So it's kind of a really broken area where there's a lot of lava rock. And mm. then in the middle of these lava rocks, there's just little sections where you can farm. Some of them are big as two or 300 acres. Some of them are just little spots. Sure. So, so depending on how much work you want to go to to plant your crop and go get it, it's kind of broken up into smaller sections. So this brings us to number two. Yep. So tell us about the Lost River Encounter. <laughs> so that what that was the Lost River Encounter. That one. Um, there, you know what? There is another one I can throw in though that I really quite like. Sure. Um, there was a guy that I interviewed who is a airline pilot. So I heard that he'd seen the Bigfoot, and it, but then I had to track him down. So first time I called him, he was in Georgia. Second time he was in Denver. You know, something like that. Anyway, he was headed over to um, Oregon, and he was on a motorcycle, and he said he was just fooling around. He wasn't really in a hurry to do anything. So, and it was a beautiful day. He said, um, I wasn't in any hurry, so I took all the back roads. I don't know if you've ever ridden a motorcycle, but you spend a lot of time just looking at and evaluating the road ahead, especially since the road was a paved forest service road mm -hmm. with cracks and older stuff. He said it was in the middle of the week. He had the whole place to himself. And he was surprised at how plentiful the vegetation was. It looked kind of like a rainforest. As he gained in elevation, he noticed that it was getting drier with more pine trees. He was traveling on one flat stretch of road about 7 p.m. with terrain rising on the left side of the road and falling away on the right side. There were straight lodgepole pines lined up almost symmetrically, and he was checking the road when he noticed something dark move in the trees ahead of him. It appeared for a moment, and then it disappeared, and then it reappeared, he said. He slowed down, and right where there was a, right there, there was a gap in the, um, of 10 feet in the trees, and he saw his first Bigfoot. He said he had his back to me and was standing in the burrow pit, but even sitting on the road above him on my motorcycle, he was taller than I was. He was really dark gray with broad shoulders, with his arms hanging straight down. He said the length of his arms surprised him, that and the shape of his head, which wasn't what he expected. He said, I stopped my bike about 15 feet ahead of where I'd seen him, and I yelled, very clever. I wouldn't have seen you, but if you hadn't moved. And then I kept talking, he said. I walked back to where I'd seen it, but nothing was there, and the adrenaline was wearing off. He said he stood there, and he looked around, and then he heard big, heavy footprints going up the hill behind him, but he didn't see the Bigfoot again. Hmm. He just caught a glimpse of it. Yeah, but I thought that was kind of cool. So he's sitting on the road above him, and he's sitting on the motorcycle. And even with the Bigfoot standing in the barrel pit, the, he was taller than he was on the motorcycle. Did he surmise how tall the Sasquatch was? 
Nope, just that he was pretty dang tall. <laughs> you know, it seems as though these Idaho Bigfoot, and it's something that we mentioned on the last uh, show, are really big. They're bigger than the ones that you see, let's say, at least you hear a lot of, about a lot about seven and eight footers. Yeah. Um, and then the juvies are just juvies. But I'm hearing 10 and 12 footers in Idaho from a lot of people. There are probably some areas where they just get damn big. It appears as though that be the case here. <laughs> so let's talk about number one. So this is one that I just found, um, and it was actually really cool. And I, I, I've interviewed the guy, but I haven't had a chance to write it up. So I'm going to just go through my notes here. This fellow... Um, <laughs> He grew up on a place called Antelope Flats, which really isn't a place. It's, it's like the side of the road. Mm. <laughs> so um, he said his family was really poor, and they lived up there during the summertime where they worked their farm. And um, he was, he's like 67 now. So this was a couple of years ago. <laughs> but he said um, every night this Bigfoot would come and peer in the window at him as he sat in his crib. And he said the window that he was peering in was about eight feet off the side of the, off the, side of the um, house. So he said he got to the point where he would just crawl out of his crib and then crawl underneath the crib, put the side rail down to protect himself. So I thought that was just kind of funny. So then... Um, he uh, he said as he got older, um, they're in their family because they were pretty poor. He said as he got a new little brother, he moved into one of the other um, rooms and slept with two of the other siblings. Mm -hmm. And he said, I learned that if I smelled a whiff of that stench, that the Bigfoot were out. And he said um, <laughs> he could talk to a lot of people, including his grandpa. And he said, so what is it? And his grandpa wouldn't tell him. He'd just say, as long as you're a good kid, they won't bother you. As long as you're not outside during the dark, they won't bother you. I was like, man, that would almost be scarier, you know, just to know something's roaming around outside. Because well, you're watching it look in your, your window. It's the ultimate nightmare for a kid, <laughs> yeah. you know, to look out his window at night and see something big staring in it. I would be shocked. That's pure trauma. That's PTSD to the MAX. <laughs> now, where was this? Was this Mount Putnam area? What? Antelope Flats. So Antelope Flats, okay. So if you're on Highway 20 and you're headed to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, mm -hmm. you'll cross past, a, um, what is it, one of those uh, highway stops where you can go to the bathroom, get a drink, you know, that type of thing. That's the start of Antelope Flats. It's really not a not really a place. It's just they call it that, but it's not there yeah. it's not really even a community. Yeah, there's like five houses like yeah. uh, three hundred <laughs> meters off the street and you're wondering who the hell would live there. Well there you have it. Now you know why there's only a few people who live there. They don't like <laughs> Bigfoot looking in their window. <laughs> so well, he, they're curious, you know, yeah, they're curious. You, you hear these stories all the time. Yeah. But that's basically our top ten. 
Now we've got some interesting information. Now you there, there was some recent. Um, you have uh, some information on a couple recent um, encounters. Why don't you share those with us? And then you also have some information about an event that's going to be taking place that is going to be quite exciting. Yeah. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a minute because it's still getting worked on. But talk to us about some of the more a couple more current encounters that you recently became aware of. So um, I found, um, I was told to call a man who's got a really crazy last name, and it took me a while to find the dude. And uh, it turns out he's one of the principals of one of the schools. So uh, hang on a second, I've got that written down here. Actually, there's two different brothers. Mm -hmm. So um, the brother that's the pr principal he said he's seen a one, two, three, three different times. Um, in 2000, he was over in Soda Springs, which is in the mountains above Bear Lake, which is right down by the southeast corner. Okay. And um, he said that they were out hunting and they found this dilapidated cabin tucked in a hole in the mountain. And he said there was a commotion all of a sudden, and the door swings open and something big and black came out and went crashing down the mountain. He said, we didn't look inside. It gave me the creeps. He said, it wouldn't have been an elk or a moose. And he said, I had my 30 out six, but I didn't feel safe. He still seriously saw him. He was only 50 yards away. And he said, it just showed up like a black blur, taller than a, taller than a quake and ask the willows that he was coming through. What time of day? Um, he did not say. He did not say, but he could see him clearly. Mm. So it would have had to been in late. I would bet early afternoon. Well, he saw him clearly as a blur, though, as a fast-moving yeah. blur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said, um, in two thousand two, he was he took his wife and kids up, and they were sitting under the tent awning at eleven thirty at night. And he said they had some rocks thrown past his head that were about two inches big and he said more rocks came by the fire and and so um <laughs> he said his wife was kind of wigged out about it so he got his gun and he shot into the air to to um to scare it off and then the next time was in 2006 when he was um camping at snow creek which is above warm river that's kind of more over by um yellowstone park kind mm -hmm. of area Mm -hmm. So um, he said they heard a blood-curdling scream like a woman multiple times, and it was getting closer, and the kids were terrified. So they packed up, and they went home, and, and, <laughs> and he, he said, I announced that we were leaving as I threw everything in, and he said, my wife made me quit taking her out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no more camping for me. Yeah. 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 So his brother um, is a he's a bow hunter, mm -hmm. and he put a trail cam out in 2017, 15 feet up in the air above a water hole, so that he could get a, an idea of what was being out there before he set up his stand. And um, he said he figured nobody would steal it because it's laid out above the water, right? So. Sure. Um, this was up by the Island Park area, which is headed towards Montana. Um, and he, he said, um, 
I still hunt alone. I, I spend a lot of nights out, and I've never had a problem with him. But he said he pulled the camera down, and he found an amazing picture of this Bigfoot. So he said in the times he's been up there, he's been whooped at. He's had pine cones thrown at him. He's had rocks thrown at him. He said, I've seen a lot of the tree breaks and leaves where they're still green, and there's no mark of, and there's no marks on the, um, on the, on the trees. And then um, he said he uh, found some really big pieces of of uh, wood that had been snapped like a toothpick. And she said, he said, my son and I tried to break a similar size branch, and we couldn't even bend it. So you're maybe. going to have to procure the, uh, ca the trail cam pick for us. <laughs> Does he have yeah, it? He said I could use that one. I'll have to, I'll have to see where I put it. Yeah. Let's, yeah, I'd say let's find that. Let's get that up here right now for the folks. Um, you know, folks, there's a lot that goes on during a show that gets edited out. So I'm sure this is going to sound completely streamlined to you. And you're going to love it. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's been a lot of, we've had a good time with this. But we're going to have a good time with something else. And it's something that's being put together. This was uh, Becky's Construct. And it's a virtual Bigfoot conference. Becky, do you want to give us a little teaser? Because it's, it's still being worked on. It's still in the planning stages. So... All of the Bigfoot stuff got canceled this year because of COVID, and uh, Bigfoot people love their swag. Yeah, they just do. So I thought, I had a lot of people talk to me, and they're like, you know, the thing you miss the most is when you can sit and talk to people about their experiences and ask them questions for yourself. And so I thought, you know, that really wouldn't be that hard to do if we set it up with Zoom and had an interactive conversation. So that's kind of what we've been doing. We set it up for November 21st, 2020, and um, 2 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. It's, we've got a Zoom program set up that will take up to 1,000 people at a time, and you can ask questions in real time, and then my background guy will actually read off the questions as we go through so that you can actually listen to and talk to our speakers as we go through. So um, this is being sponsored by my organization, which is Bigfoot um, BigfootLives.com. And then um, another guy named SasquatchPrints.com, which is Brandon Tennant. He does an awful lot of Bigfoot t-shirts. Um, and he's picked up a lot of uh, following because he does beautiful, beautiful artwork. So he's drawn, he's drawn a really amazing... Um, Bigfoot convention t-shirt, but we're not really doing it like a regular old convention where you have to spend a lot of money. The convention itself is free, and then if you want to go in and look for Christmas gifts or something like that, there you go. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Right, so sponsors, I think it's still the, the planning stages. There could be a lot, there, there will be a lot of other people involved, other yeah. possible Bigfoot Facebook groups and such that will bring in, and folks, if if you've had an experience and you'd like to share your experience with the Bigfoot community, uh, certainly feel free to contact either myself or Becky. Our contact information is probably flashing on your screen right now. And we'll have a quick conversation and see how well it would fit in with our plans. Um, Becky's got three books out. I think that uh, we want to discuss here real quick. Folks, uh, for those of you who 
Want to learn more about what's going on in Idaho from the standpoint of Sasquatch sightings? Uh, there's Bigfoot Lives, Bigfoot Lives Forever in Idaho. And I think it's Bigfoot Still Lives in Idaho, right? Oh, and okay. then we're working, I'm working on the fourth book, which is Bigfoot Lives Everywhere in Idaho. And I'm, I'm hoping to have it done before Christmas, but I don't know. <laughs> well, stay tuned for that. And uh, we'll give you more as, as everything uh, formulates. It's, it's going to take a little bit of time, but uh, we've got some really good things planned. Becky, I want to thank you for coming on tonight and sharing some of the sightings you've logged over the years in Idaho and area of the country you'd expect to be able to sustain a population of Sasquatch, but you never really hear about it. Uh, that's it for tonight, folks. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Keep your eyes open for more information regarding the virtual Bigfoot conference that's being planned and certainly for any unusual movement in the bushes, strange smells or horrifying shrieks that paralyze you to the core as you hike <laughs> through the woods or jog along a mountain trail. You might not see them, but they see you. Good night from all of us at the Phenomenon Report.